We're walking in a winter wonderland, Johnny. It's beautiful outside. Oh, it's so nice. It's crisp. There's no snow. No. Yeah. It's pretty gray and gloomy. And then because it's central time, it gets dark at 4 o'clock. It's driving me crazy. Seasonal affective disorder, back again. It feels so... uh, It it drains you. It drains you. Yeah, and I know there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of other things going on, but it's just like, yeah, it's like one more thing. You know, you're already kind of stuck at home for most people. You're not doing as much, and now it's gloomy out. It's dark at 4.30 or whatever. Yeah, you know. Just adds to the... Yeah. The bleakness of it all, John. But we got good vaccine news, right? So that's something. Yeah. Although half the country doesn't want to take it because yeah. we're all convinced that it. we don't know what's in it or whatever. I don't know. It's yeah. the whole thing. Then we go eat McRibs. Yeah. I ain't going to take that vaccine. I don't even know what's in it. Drink a big Dr. Pepper. I don't know. It says 31 flavors. That's good enough for me. What is that ingredient there? I don't know. I don't know. Hydrochlorofly. I don't know. It's delicious is what it is. Everybody's doing fine. No one's having heart attacks or anything. That's fine. Yeah. We're doomed. Cancer rate's not high. Yeah. I don't know. Look, I get it. I don't want to go. I, 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 I would I understand sign up not, tomorrow. Understand not being. You the, and I would both get the vaccine tomorrow. So don't even act like we're. It's like both sides of the same coin. We can agree to disagree. No, go get the vaccine. It's the only way we get free from these dumb masks. Yeah, we I, need the rate to go down. I do. All I'm saying is I understand not want to be the very first one in line. Yeah, but it, you're not the first because they had trials and they proved that it was safe. Well, and Britain's already doing it, so. But Don't let these Brits. I tell you, they're always trying to lap beat us. us again with their <laughs> weird us. bad teeth. I'm sorry, Brits. I'm, no, you have great teeth. I wonder if we have. I any, have bad teeth. <laughs> I wonder if we have any listeners. That reminds me, by the way. I drink a lot of soda, so I have I have the I have the brown teeth. No, they're not brown, but they're they're a they're a uh, tan color. No, that's not right. I did order you a Diet Coke today. You last did. time I ordered you a, a tea, and you're like, you don't even know me. It was like, yeah, a, it was. It was, very, a, it was an affront to it was, me. It was, yeah, so I made sure because you don't like Coke Zero. No, because it tastes just, like real Coke. I like the taste of Diet Coke now. <laughs> That's weird. But I like regular Coke. But I just don't drink it because it'd be. I would drink a thousand calories a day of soda. When did you first discover that you're deranged? Was this like the the hint, or was there other things? That well, came? no, you just drink enough Diet Coke, and you get used to the flavor of Diet Coke. Yeah, to me, Coke Zero tastes a little like flat Coke to me. It tastes like Coke. It's a little, it's a little flat. Mm, I can't do this. It's a little off. I can't do this. My mom brought home uh, uh, ginger ale zero, and it does taste like... It's ginger like, ale zero is yeah, good. It's very is good. Is that what Canada Dry, maybe, or yeah. something? Yeah. That's yeah. what we drink. It's very good. Uh, it's crisp. Yes, it's, it's very bold. gingery. That's what she sees. like, I think they put extra ginger in this. So oh. She's like, it's very strong. So when you said your mom brought home, it reminded me, I read this story, because we were thinking about the baby boom, because, you know, the pandemic... Yeah, baby boom potential. I don't know what if they've if there been research already on. Are there a lot of a lot more pregnancies during that? Because you know you have the quarantine that first couple of months. Everybody, a lot of people who travel for a living, like me, you're home more. Right. There's more likelihood of some intimacy, <laughs> and then you're gonna have a baby. I hope you don't say it like that at home. <laughs> <laughs> hey, girl, how you feel tonight about some intimacy? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not, that's not you're my go-to me, move. You're giving me a cough. That was COVID. That was a... <laughs> have you noticed a lot less throat clearing and coughing now? Like We can control it. <laughs> I think a lot of these people just wanted attention. I think we're proving it. It's been it. fake the whole time. It really has. Okay. So, yeah, coughing a lot is not a personality. Just in case, when this is all over and you just think that you're going to be the scream sneezer and the loud coughing person, it's not a personality. Okay, so... But I did, I read this story and it was like, not only is a baby boom expected, but we've already experienced a puppy boom. <laughs> so, cause, and it made sense. So you have a lot of families who are home, but I think a lot of single people who are normally like, you're single, you're maybe happily single, hmm. but you have a, a network of friends that you hang out with every night. Well, now that's gone, hmm. you know, at least for the first few months. Hmm. So you go get a dog. Yeah. And you'd never had a dog before, so now you're just dealing with... So I bet you there'll be some, like, shelters issues where people are like, I'm not a dog person. What was I thinking? Now you're going to have these shelters overrun. That's upset. I made it sad somehow. Puppy Boom sounds like one of those movies where, like, The Rock is an undercover police officer has to be a vet or something yeah, and in he order gets to a, catch the bad he becomes guy. a canine agent. Puppy boom. Yeah. You know, and it's got all these where he's he's got puppies hanging off of him. Oh, no. What am I going to do? No, I was thinking, like... Uh, the, what was the Jim Belushi? That was a movie called Canine where he gets a partner, but the partner's a dog. Well, that was a Tom Hanks movie, Hooch. Turner and Hooch. Turner and right? Hooch, yeah. yeah. 
That was probably more well known than mine. Jim Belushi, not. <laughs> There was a movie called Canine with Jim Belushi. Was, I think there was, but Turner and Hooch is a great movie. Uh, I never well, saw it. I never saw You Turner never Hooch. saw Turner and Hooch? I just remember t- the thing, like, you're eating the car. I remember he was eating the car yeah. seat in the preview. There's a Tom Hanks movie you haven't seen? I think there is. He's the actor of our generation. He's an actor of our generation. <laughs> no, I agree. Tom Hanks is uh, he's terrific. I used him in the sermon yesterday. You did. You used a yeah. castaway reference. I did not use the photos. I should have. I looked up a little bit and I was like, eh. Oh, the photos of him all right, before. Was and it after. because of the nudity? No, I just didn't have time. Because you were like, to... here, loincloth. You, you mentioned loincloth. I thought I could describe it better than the pictures. <laughs> wow, that is really arrogant. <laughs> no, I You know what did... paints a good picture? My words. <laughs> There's like a Google image search right there. You're like, no, I like the way I said it better. You know, I did. I did a little search for it and I was like, because I was, it was early in the sermon. Well, it was about. I don't think a half-naked Tom Hanks would be provocative to anybody. No, I wouldn't mind at all. I just couldn't find the... the I didn't want to have to go You're make... You're making me stumble, bearded, old, weird Tom Hanks. <laughs> I didn't want to go make the... the I don't want to make the graphic or ask Jeffrey to make the graphic. I was yeah. like, I've already done enough. It's Christmas time. Let's just do this. And I just use it as an example and move past it. Is that your thing now? It's, it's Christmas time. That's enough to get no, just flummoxed <laughs> in. Look, it's Christmas. I'm not doing any more work. <laughs> well, I was under the... Listen, I, okay. Yeah. So I had a manuscript deadline for my book on racism with Reggie, which, by the way, I have a title now. Racism with Reggie. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a, a serious XM panel show. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Racism with Reggie. I'm your host, Reggie Dabbs. <laughs> he would love that. Yeah. Speaking of, by the way, he got a new dog, a puppy. Yeah. It's a, it's a story that could only happen to Reggie. You know, like Reggie's one of those guys I was telling someone this week because I had a meeting for a book thing and they knew Reggie from when he was younger. And, and we were talking, I was like, Reggie's the kind of guys you, you finish a book and he's like, and so much stuff has happened to him. Mm-hmm. He was like, Oh man, uh, did I mention that, uh, that like this really happened by the way, Did I mentioned I was in South Africa speaking and, um, when I got done, this helicopter showed up. And they were like, hey, someone wants to talk to you. Come get on the helicopter. And he's like, okay, because he's Reggie. He gets on a helicopter, and they took him. They take him to this like secluded cabin on a mountaintop. And he gets out and walks in, and it's Nelson Mandela. Oh, wow. Who had heard him speak and wanted to meet with him personally. Yeah. And he would tell me that, like, I was like, after the book's been written. Right. I'm like, Reggie, what? <laughs> that might have been a good <laughs> anecdote. But he has the- so many stories like that. He can't keep up. Did I tell you about the time this happened to? Did you about the time that's uh well he would he would hate this one. He's so big in Australia, like he's so huge of a celebrity, Reggie mm-hmm. Dabbs in Australia, that um Hugh Jackman came to get his autograph. No. <laughs> yes. That was years ago. But he was like, Yeah, Hugh Jackman one time came up to I was like, What? You know, anyway. So this is a story that only happened to, to I've already Reggie. written I've already written the t- the chapter of the book. Okay. Hugh Jackman meet Hugh Blackman. That is, guys, these chapters. Well. Gosh. I wish he was on right now. Gosh, he'd be laughing so hard. Well, the, the, the story of the guy, by the way, who knew him when he was younger, it was when yeah. Dominic was like one year old. He was at this youth pastor's house. They were up there speaking in Connecticut. Yeah. And Dominic bit the dog on the nose. Like he grabbed his face. Like, okay. <laughs> so he's like, Reggie might remember me because his son bit my dog. And so Reggie was like, oh yeah. It was, it was yeah. That's a, that's the old journalism stories. Like uh dog, dog bites man's isn't a story, but man bites dog is a story. That's what you lead with. If you have a man. So, yeah. Right. Right. So he said he was speaking somewhere and, uh, they were, he, they had lost their, his dog passed away. And I guess he mentioned his dog or, or something at where he was speaking. This was a few months ago. Or, and this lady walks up, and she happens to be like the premier breeder of English bulldogs in the area. Because he had mentioned that you know he likes English bull, bulldogs yeah. or whatever. And so he met this lady. And then like, I don't know, a month later, there's a delivery. And someone shows up at his house right. with like a six-week-old brand-new uh, English bulldog wow. puppy with like a note. It was like, hey, you know, this was the number. It's like one. Paddington, please mind this bear. <laughs> and it, I mean, it was like it's pretty almost, presumptive though to send a dog. Yeah, well, that's what my wife said. I was like, wow, that. But no, they love it. He's been sending me Aww. pictures and stuff. And so Michelle and Reggie are loving the dogs. That's so. sweet. But people don't send me dogs. You know, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't get that. So maybe you get that kind of stuff. You get fan mail and stuff, don't you? Uh, <laughs> Not so much. I'm trying to think. The last gift I got was somebody sent me um, 
a book about the Enneagram. And I think it might have been like they wanted me to tie in, like they wanted me to mention it or they wanted me to talk about it. Yeah. And then I gave it to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, hey, I got this sent to me. You want this? And you're like, oh, yeah, Laura would love it. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Actually, funny story about that. I'll tell you later. I can't tell you on the air. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, just be intrigued. Tease, tease for the listener. Yeah, well, Maybe well, something well. I can talk about later, but I can't talk about it now. Oh, so, yeah. Something in the works. Ooh. Ooh. Hey, speaking of stuff in the works, I uh, actually heard from Drybar Comedy, mm-hmm. and my special is supposed to come out in the next day or two. Dude, yes. So if you have, uh, and I've not, I've been not telling people because it's like their timelines are so weird, and you never know when your special is going to come out. So yeah. it's like, when is this going? to You shot it last November. Well, they actually got obviously screwed up from the pandemic and so all their a lot of their editors they had to lay off it was a whole thing so i think though that everything got off track but they sent me the final file and everything so i've actually seen it it is a thing and they told me the next day or two it should be on the app so you wow. got to go to the dry bar comedy app in the app store yeah and you can watch the special for free it's huge. And there's a way to tip me, too, if you want to tip me and then kick in a few shackles. I got a tip for that's you. <laughs> get a better job. Don't be a comedian. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. so that's that's exciting, and hopefully that'll uh, amazing, lead man. to more folks uh, getting to see my comedy, because they have a pretty good following. I think they have six or seven million people who yeah. like their Facebook page alone. So. Well, get ready, because we're about to mobilize to talk about that loyal listening audience. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You guys go, and and, uh, and hopefully when the clips start coming out, you guys will help me share yeah. on social media because that'll help other people see it too. Could they promote one of your clips? Could they pay Facebook to promote it? That's a question I don't know the I answer don't, to. Can you promote something else that's not your own? I don't know if you can. I don't... But guys, you should do it. Yeah. Find a way. That's the real Patreon. <laughs> it's real exciting, man. Drama's a big deal. Yeah, uh, it's pretty cool, and it was an honor to do it, and uh, it was fun. You know, it's in, over in uh, Utah. So you're you've in a, seen the clips, by the way. They're good, right? Yeah, they turned out good, and good. I'm happy with it. Um, really great crowd that night. And you're just kind of worried that did they capture the energy. That's the thing about comedy is it's so much better live. If you've ever seen a comedy show live, if you've only ever seen clips, you're like, oh, I love stand-up comedy. But if you've ever seen a live comedy show, it's so much better and so when you when I have a good experience in a room, I'm like, oh, this was great, and I feel good about it. But then you just hope, did they capture yeah. the energy of the room? In other words, where all the mics placed right, where everything. And so once I listened back, I was like, oh, this is I'm really I'm happy with it. So good, yeah. Okay, I don't like wait. the shirt that I chose. I will say that. Oh, which one? Well, it's a shirt I never wear. Oh, and it's like one of those things of like I had three or four shirts with me, and I was like, because I normally wear just a black button up. And I had a black button up with like a little design on it, mm. but it was a little shorter than normally I wear. When I wear a little bit longer, hanging mm. shirt, and I was like, like midriff uh, shirt. Yeah, this one's. <laughs> I was full on and no pants, just full on Donald Duck in it. And <laughs> you're like the Shania Twain of comedy, yeah. minus the good looks. But I kind of just was like, well, this one is more interesting. What if I get there and there's a blacker backdrop or whatever? This will stand out more. And I just chose that one, and it's just a shirt that I don't feel like. Wow. But it's that's nitpicking. You no know, one cares. Like no one cares. They hear your jokes. No one cares. I don't like that guy's shirt. No, He's I think this funny. is intriguing. And the only way, listener, that you can find out how ridiculous this shirt looks is right, to, to go, go to a dry bar. It's not ridiculous bar. looking. It's just a shirt that I wish I'd chosen a different shirt. Johnny, there's no such thing as bad press, is what they say. I don't believe that, by the way. I can think of a lot of things that are really bad press. Yeah, that don't. It's true. People do say that all the time. Yeah, oh, it's like bad, bad press. press. It's like no, find out you murdered somebody. That's a bad. It's bad press. Yeah, yeah, I had a comedian tell me a long time ago that in a show, it's better to be memorable than good. Hmm. And I think that's one of those things that sounds like good advice. That's bad, but I just don't think it rings true. Yeah. Like, I do think if you can be good and also be more memorable than the other good comedians on a show, true. that's one thing. That's true. Like, I have a friend, Claiborne Cox, who has a very, like, deadpan delivery. Yeah. He's kind of a character on stage. And he is going to stand out. If you did six comics yeah. and I did a set and he did a set, you would more likely be saying, man, that guy, that one guy, wasn't he interesting? And Yeah. But he also is a very funny comedian and a great joke writer. So he has both. So, but I think if you had to choose, you would say, I'd rather be good. You wouldn't be like, yeah, I want to be so weird yeah. that they can't help it. But if you're a little bit different and you're good, then you got mm. to get the tiger by the tail. Mm. Uh. I don't think you, that's a weird expression too. What? Be better be memorable than good? To t- take a tiger by the tail. 
Oh, okay. I, I just mean, mean it like it's the energy of that. I don't know. Kill you? Like you know what I'm saying? Like why would we want to do that? Well, I've, I don't know where that saying. Like came if from. you really did that, I think the idea is like the kinetic energy of having a tiger by the tail is like related to business. Meaning you've got like a billion dollar idea, or you've yeah, got but like a, that split second before he kills you. I guess is really exhilarating. Right? It's a uh, it, yeah. It's volatile. Y- yeah. You have a volatile the tiger sensibility. Such a positive expression, but honestly. You got the world by the tail. That's another thing. And there is no tail of the world. Mm. You get a comet by a tail. flat earth people think there's a tail on the world. You might be his tail. But I don't know. That's an old, that's an old story of ours. But our jobs are kind of converging now. Sometimes it happens where you're in the middle of a project mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, all right, John is writing all this stuff and I'm not writing anything. I feel like I'm not doing anything. And then you'll get to a point where you're editing. Mm-hmm. You just had an edit. They told you to cut 20,000 words or something. And I was like, now you're where I'm at, where I just have a bunch of ideas and I real and I'll start saying them out loud. And then I'm like, well, that's something, but it's not funny yet. It'll be funny in six months. So, yeah. The, so the name of the book, by the way, is not so black and white. Yeah. And, uh, I think subtitles like an honest, an honest invitation to conversations about race and faith. And it's supposed to be 70,000 words, which is already pretty big. It's a big, it's a big book. Well, I mean, that's not huge, but 70,000 words, people always ask me, what's that in page count? It's probably like 220 pages, okay. 200, to maybe 240. Yeah. And you handed them 150,000. <laughs> well, at one point I had written 91. But the last, is it like a report where they say, write 500 words about the Mesopotamian Empire, and you were like, the Mesopotamian Empire was very, 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 <laughs> very important. Like, <laughs> is it some of that where it was easy to cut? You, you know, there is funny when you are in cutting, it's my least favorite thing to do. Yeah. Um, every once in a while, I have to really cut a big chunk. So, well, I turned it in at 88,000. Yeah. And I said, look, because I already told the editor on a call, I was like, look, there's a bunch of stuff in here, and I don't, I, I know it needs to be cut, but I've been looking at it so long. Me and Reggie have been looking at it so long. We're great with it cutting. We just rather have a you know another set of eyes, somebody to go, hey, cut this, you know. Right. So I'm not like they just have like hard and fast rules of like 88 is too many. No, she said, she said, I'm not looking at this until you give me like <laughs> I need seventy thousand words. She said, here's the deal, I can't look at this anyway for oh. another two weeks because oh, I'm okay. underwater with other projects. So why don't you just take two more weeks and see if you can cut ten thousand more Man. out of it? I was like, because oh. I was like, dude, I'd sent it. And it had been like two days. I was starting to relax. Like I was feeling it. Because uh, I, I, don't, I don't even know what that looks like. I get real weird. What does a relaxed John Driver look like? It's weird. It, but here's, it's not good at first. Like it takes me probably, it's almost like vacation. Because you feel bad for feeling relaxed. Do you feel, don't you? Well, for, at first I begin now tend like, to. What's not getting done while I'm relaxing? Well, I, have, I make lists of all the things now that I have let go that I haven't tended to, either uh, relationally or in the house or whatever. Like, oh man, I, I need to follow up with Am this I on person. that list, John? Johnny, I'm, <laughs> you're on the list of people you I intentionally to, you, need, you need to tend to me don't tend to but so like but I'm like you, you can ask Laura it's not good like I get depressed uh, you'd think you'd feel all this like my mom asked me the first time I turned it in she's like oh I bet you feel so much better I was like nope I mean like at first yeah. I'm just I'm still well, yeah I can see when you hand it over and you know it's not been judged yet and you're waiting for that moment of we love it or we don't love it. Yeah, that, then, I can see anxiety there for sure. Yeah, my agent calls it throwing a, a grenade over the wall and waiting. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and so, uh, and it, that plays into my region, my recovery, pro, you know, issue of needing people's approval and all that stuff. So, like, I, I'm really trying. To- how do you pull that out from your job and my job, which is based on approval? Right. Like approval is a real thing. Yeah. It, like that's the hard part. Like it's easy to like make it a concept. Like I'm going to seek people's approval less. Yeah, and also I probably would work a lot less if that if I made that a key tenet of my life. I, I, it, here's the thing: there's a it's it's a, a variable. I just need it to not be number one. Right. My, I, my identity's wrapped up right. in approval. And I, it does get wrapped up where if I'm waiting on an email, like I'm just obsessively checking, and yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm I'm not okay until so I. That's the thing. I'm always waiting on something from somebody for something. And I just want to be okay. In yeah. fact, you know, I talked about joy yesterday in the message. And I told the first service, not the second. I wish I would have said it. Like, I want to have joy before everything gets better. 
Mm-hmm. Like I want to be okay before all yeah, the circumstances. Yeah, because I feel guilt there too. Like yeah. if my circumstances are going well and I feel happy and content, yeah. I know or I, I tend to judge myself harshly and say, yeah, but if things weren't going well, you would not be feeling this. And then I feel bad for feeling happy. Well, because, yeah, you're... Because you're, you feel like, oh, this is just related to my circumstances. Right. Yeah. Your circumstances are dictating then your, your, I guess... It's one thing to say I'm mourning, you know, a loss or... I mean... Yeah, yeah. So that's why we talk about joy. I also didn't say this yesterday, but, like, joy is not a feeling, but it does produce feelings. Mm-hmm. So... You know, like there's that hard, do I don't know if I feel joyful. Well, I don't know if you always feel joyful, but and I think it even produces, you know, other feelings of like, even if you're in grief, there could be a joy there. But that being said, like for me, yeah, I get, I get super weird when I turn it in. So she came back and was like, yeah, cut another 10,000 words. And I was yeah. like, oh, you know, it took me a few days and she knew I was trepidatious about it. And, you know, she was very, very kind. Like, yeah. hey, if you could just cut 10,000. But, dude, I just went after it. And, and like, once I can get into the mode of it, I can do it. It mm-hmm. just takes me a while. And you begin to realize, so your whole point of the very, 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 very thing, like, be, believe it or not, across a manuscript, mm-hmm. you'd be surprised how many extra varies there are. Right. There might be 300. So you just cut 300. And so almost, like, you begin to realize words that, that almost do nothing to make a sentence better. And I know this from working with so many editors, they end up cutting this. But I still use it when I'm in a composition flow because it's more natural. I can just write fast how I'd say it. But things like, to be honest, comma. Well, that to be honest is ridiculous. Like, Mike Burnett, we just wrote a book together. He hates it when people say to be honest. Yeah, it sounds it like out. they've been lying to you the whole right. time. I was like, well, it's just an expression, you know. To me, it's augmenting or enhancing what I'm going to tell you, you know, or um, truth be told, another one, you don't really need to, truth be told. Uh-huh. Like, if you're not telling the truth, then don't say it. Uh, almost every that is superfluous. Um, uh, I realized that I had 20,000 too, too many words, you know, yeah. or 20,000 extra words. Or I realized I had 20,000 extra words. Like, th- that yeah, is, no difference you don't need it. Yeah, yeah, and you can take that out. So you, you begin to like, and then also I realized writing is I uh, have this idea so I state it then I restate it then I put this example mm-hmm. to put this and then I restate it at the end it's very much like my formal college writing is still there yeah. what I'm going to tell you then I tell you that I, what I just told you and so you're like one of those can go if not more than one yeah. you know, usually so I cut and then you know I cut some things out that were maybe like there's some edgy stuff in this book like there's some edgy things um I hope I have friends afterwards, but it may not. Oh, it's gonna so, be. It's gonna be great. You're gonna, but, be, you're gonna be the new Beth Moore. You're gonna be the firestorm. It's gonna be. Prepare for the onslaught. I, I think I'm okay. Like I do take down, and we talk about a lot of this stuff on the podcast. Like Reggie and I address. You know, um, like Reggie's story is so crazy, and I hadn't seen it through. I don't think he's ever told it through a racial lens before. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's never wanted everything to be about just racism. And so we, we established, it's really a gospel book. There's a book I wrote with a, <clears throat> uh, my friend Ty Wagner called Come and See. It's like a biblical exposition on what the life of a believer should really be. It's like 600 scriptures in the footnotes that he did from memory, by the way. Almost all of them is crazy. And we talk a lot about what that, what are the ways of God? What does a life of a disciple look like? How does it look compared to the early church? So I really, that's affected me so deeply in the way that we pastored. Like the whole first half of the book is a lot of that. Mm-hmm. It's going, hey, it should be normal for a believer because the word repentance is metanoia. It means the, the changing of one's mind. That's what it, it literally translates to the changing or the turning of one's mind. But all we think of repentance is, is like, I'll oh, say I'm sorry. Yeah. I committed an end. Well, an individual commits an immoral, an overt immoral act and so you say you're sorry for the things that you know you did wrong but you would never like repent for something that you didn't intend mm-hmm. it's all about oh, i have good intentions i have a good heart i have a good and if i did something wrong sure but and so like all of this talk about you know and i don't i think we're so far from reconciliation and that's a lot of my recovery actually i'm at the stage reconciliation may never happen with a lot of people in my life but i can make amends mm-hmm. for the things that i did even if they were the aggressor there's still things in my reactions I make amends for yeah. that free me and hopefully free them as well. And perhaps reconciliation will happen. So we talk about like, that's that whole systemic idea. There are things in 
society that I did not directly cause, but that I am involved in that instead of me like thinking of it, oh, I don't ever, I don't ever apologize or try to make things right that I didn't intentionally go and commit and do. And that's that whole individual versus systemic argument everyone has. And you're like, yeah, but life, the, the, that, that's not the way real life works. And so again, Reggie's story, I say in the early in the book, like, <clears throat> I want you to imagine a 14-year-old girl who's pregnant, a 14-year-old black girl who's pregnant, who uh, her parents are, she's had the baby, the, her parents are helping her, and she tells them she's pregnant again, and they're infuriated. She goes to school the next day, she comes home from school, and she hears the screams of her baby outside the house. She opens the door, and the house is empty. No furniture, no appliances, no parents. They're gone. They abandon a 14-year-old. She never sees them again, mm. and she—they didn't know that she pr- is pregnant with twins now, and so she literally, after having the twins, has three children, and she's under the age of sixteen, and she ends up living in an abandoned chicken coop on a farm on the outskirts of Knoxville by herself, and so we—I kind of just—that's that's Reggie's story. That's where it begins. So before we even go any further into into this story, which is personal for one of us, is what I say, like. Who is this girl to you? Right. Like, is she just a a person who made immoral choices? Right. (laughs) So she deserves a lot in life that she has or whatever. Yeah. Right. Like, it's so we have to examine the way you see her, which is the way we have to examine the way that you think and the way that we all think about what does the gospel call us to here? What is the attitude towards people? Mm -hmm. She's just the result of her individual choices. Then that's the problem. Right. Like the problem's not just racism, but that may have racism embedded in it, but you're so scared of being called a racist, you can't even hear the conversation of how we see it. So, yeah, she made bad choices. <laughs> and like you and I were talking at lunch, how many bad choices have you and I made? Right. If you want to say, uh, you know, I'm the CEO of X company because I've made some great choices and I've, I'm getting what I deserve, and you could do it too if you just did the things I did. All you got to do is take these steps. Well, you're, you're discounting the terrible choices that you made that you got away with. Yeah. Like everybody thinks that they get what they deserve sometimes. And then if you realize, man, I didn't get what I deserved there, 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 and there, you're like, oh, wow. This, yeah. There's a lot of weird mm-hmm. stuff in the universe going on that's not, uh, it's not just cut and dry as we like to make it. No. And that's why the book, Johnny, is called Not So Black and White. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. You see what we did there? We just launched the book tour. <laughs> the meritocracy mindset of our nation. And again, you and I are conservatives that believe absolutely what you do matters. It's just not... I believe in personal accountability, but also believe protecting people who fall through the cracks. Yeah. Uh, And I believe in fail-safes, and I believe in those systems. And so, and that may be something that I would have even ideologically fought you on five, six years ago. But I just... I got to know people. It's the whole thing. Mark Twain used to say that to get rid of your biases, you got to travel. Because it's like when you... It's like it's amazing to me the people who live in rural Tennessee their whole life and they never le- they never left they never went anywhere and they'll fight you that America is the best country in the world they don't know anything they don't have any they don't have any right. perspective and they they have very they're very certain about all their beliefs but they have no they're almost a, they're almost saying I don't want to travel I don't want to meet other people and learn about their issues because they're afraid it will attack their biases. And I've started to embrace those things and say, I want to, part of it's what I do is very uh, ecumenical. So I do a lot of churches, but I used to be very kind of hung in, uh, hung up on maybe denominational walls or whatever. Maybe 10, 15 years ago, I was hung up on like, are you full gospel? I'd say full gospel a lot, like a moron. Are you full gospel? And I, when you start doing this, you start realizing, man, there's a lot of people that love God and they're doing things. They're, they, they align in a way with me that I never would have uh, agreed with before. I never would have seen it before. And I would have only seen the hair splitting that we did about their individual. So I think a lot of my bias has been stripped away. And so I just see it differently. But yeah, I believe in personal accountability. And so I can align with uh, people on that. And then when they get to a point where they're just like, basically they're almost saying under, under their breath, you are the sum of your life choices, period. I just don't agree with that anymore. I don't necessarily, I think there's always... There's always outliers that make it impossible to make that a, a true and fast statement. No, I think you're right. It's a 
again, I know it's the cliche thing to say, but if it is a both and, yeah, like your choices matter and uh, there may be things that happen to you beyond your control. Certainly, certainly, I mean, and you and I were talking at lunch about this, and I haven't thought of it like this, but just imagine the millions of brilliant black and white men, excuse me, black men and women mm-hmm. who we don't, we'll never know their brilliance. Yeah, they just grew up in an era where they were underfoot and weren't yeah. given an opportunity to show yeah. what they were made of. Uh, we were talking about Jackie Robinson, like one of the pet peeves of folks in the black community when the Jackie Robinson thing came where he broke through the color barrier was white people who kind of begrudgingly accepted, okay, we're going to have the color barrier broken. But they would then throw in the, the kind of precept of, well, finally there was a black player good enough to play with us. It was almost like you're, you're ignoring the fact yeah. that you held down and subjugated yeah. someone. You you denied chances. Now, when you finally are going to give, you made it still like, well, we didn't do anything wrong. We did just we had to find somebody good enough to play with us. It's like you're 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 perpetrating more evil by not owning right. the, the the initial evil. That's huge, and I think that's that's all that we're. That's what systemic issues are about. It's like. And, and one of our main statements in here is people get so offended by that for some reason is we say, look, you've got to realize something that the system doesn't have a heart. Yeah. People do. So we do need heart change, but the system doesn't have one. So yes, we need the hearts of people to change. Also, the system cannot be changed by the same means. It's not the same thing as changing a heart. So it shouldn't be defended like it's alive. Right. It shouldn't be defended like, oh my gosh, we can't like, listen, it's made up of people. And yes, each one of us, the hearts are, are so valuable, but the systems, um, you know, when I talk about Acts chapter six, I mean, within, you know, we have this, this almost utopian church society where they're sharing life and breaking bread and with gladness and generous hearts and giving of their resources to one another and all this amazing thing. And then in Acts chapter six, right there in the middle of this seemingly utopian Christian environment, there is discrimination between the Hebrew speaking and the Greek speaking widows and the distribution of their food. It was a system. It was a program they put together and there was a problem with it. And what would take us literally years of infighting and years of arguing over the terms of whether or not it really existed. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we didn't intend there to be a problem. Obviously, we're trying to feed widows. Bring us the individual who's discriminating against the, 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 the Greek widows. That's it's their fault. This is not a church problem. This is an individual problem in the heart of people. Like, instead, it just took like two verses. Mm-hmm. They just acknowledged there was a problem. They put seven dudes in charge of making the problem better, and they moved on. And seven people were launched into ministry through it, and also they stopped the discrimination because it wasn't so insulting or offensive to find out that their system may have problems, even racism. Like they could, because it didn't matter their intentions. The gospel had already pointed out their intentions weren't good enough. They didn't say, it's okay, we can't say this, we all have good hearts. They're like, we don't have good hearts. <laughs> That's why we have the gospel. That's why we need a savior. Like, the, not, not realizing the entire Christian system is built upon the idea that we're broken. Mm-hmm. And instead, like now, the, the Christian system mixed with conservatism is suddenly built upon the idea that we're not. Yeah. And it's killing us because when we can't adjust because it feels like we're slaying something that's alive. Instead of going, look, the gospel is this, Jesus is alive, what he's doing in your heart is alive, and all those things. And then as a human, just like Peter, uh, later on, who is, 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 Paul says, acting the hypocrite because he refuses to sit with some of the Gentile believers. Like, here's a guy that had a sheet come down out of heaven in a vision where God told him to go to Cornelius' house. Like, he is enlightened in theory, but he made a mistake. Yeah, yeah. And he needed to be corrected. But he didn't stop being Peter because of that. That was why he could that's why he was Peter, because he could make mistakes and the gospel said, Hey, this is this is the better way. You keep going with that um not just correction, but that malleability and that humility to say that someone can point something out in me that may not be right and I don't need to freak yeah. out and defend it as if it's alive because Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean anyway, that's yeah. You well, have to read the book. 
Oh, no. Uh, I'm not going to, but I don't need to anymore. This is That's what right. was that? That was about 80,000 words, wasn't it? <laughs> hey, oh. right? I need you to cut the podcast Whoa. down by about 15 minutes. I was watching, you watched The Mandalorian, right? Oh. So, oh, Man- there's a new one. Wait, wait. Is there a new one last night? Friday. Oh, I haven't watched it. Oh, so Sorry, bad. please don't. Yeah, we'll, we'll, oh, we'll, I won't, we'll I watch it tonight. for other yeah, people, yeah. too. But yeah, there's a moment where I'm, I'm starting to see, and somebody tweeted this the other day, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so funny. The Mandalorian is basically a fundamentalist zealot. Yeah. And he's having to come to terms with his faith in light of protecting this young child. Yeah. And uh, his place in the universe. He's got all these little side journeys he's going off on that are teaching him something. And he's having to decide what really matters. This yeah. creed that he took that he's not even sure about. He's having his weird. It's so interesting to watch, but yeah, it's like he's he's uh, he's like a he's like an old time uh, Pentecost preacher. That's how I see him. It's like he's nope. We don't take the helmet off. We don't we yeah. don't cut our hair. We don't. It's like a very. You know, what I'm yeah. saying that's what it reminded me of. Is like uh, the women not cutting their hair and not wearing makeup. That's the helmet yeah. for him. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, oh, yeah. And that's his armor too. It's his armor. Mm-hmm. It's his, this shield. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading into it too much. No, no. But, I picked up on that exact thing. Like the first episode of this season. They, but then, like, there's a this. life now that he's been put in care of, mm-hmm. and he's got to decide what the important thing is. Yeah. They both can't live, and I knew it was coming to a head. In this past episode, it really did. Wow. You'll see. It's really good. Yeah. When he encountered the other Mandalorians who were who were or Mandalorian, or they yeah, who were more like nutty than he is. <clears throat> yeah. Well, no, they were the more liberal ones. Oh, right, right, right. No, yeah. I mean the one, the original ones that Correct. they're hammering the thing in the yes. cave, and he's yes. the fundamentalist telling him the creeds ones. and all the right. things. And but, yeah, this is the way they meet someone else, and as soon as they take their helmets off, he's like, "What? You know, yeah. you can't be a man." He's like, "That's not how you are of a fundamentalist sect of yeah. Mandalorian. You just didn't." And know you think it. you're the only one. You think yeah. you're the only one practicing it right? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's it, but that show is so fascinating. Well, the most fascinating thing to me, as somebody who is a, a creative person, is the idea of John Favreau, who was just this character actor who was in Swingers and Rudy and these movies, and he just grew up a fan of these things. Yeah, and then somehow he wrangles himself into a position to write. I think he one of the first movies he ever wrote was Iron Man, the first Iron Man. Wow, and. Basically, that launched the entire Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. Like, the movie universe was Iron Man. That's how it started. And it's just, now he's written, you know, tons of them. I think he wrote Guardians. I mean, it's a ton of these movies he's written and, and executive produced. And then he's just, like, completely <laughs> rescued the Star Wars franchise. Because the prequels were panned, uh, even though I think they were pretty well-made movies for what they had. George Lucas wrote those. But then it's like, he's... You know, the sequels come out and they're just like not people are like conflicted about them. They felt different than the he's captured like the essence of the first three Star Wars movies. Yeah. And but he's furthered the characters without having to really rely on the others as a crutch. Some people think that the, the Grogu character is kind of a crutch because it's a, some the, from the other universe. In essence, it's a Yoda character. But I would say it's a complete home run because he's he's captured the vibe of those 80s Star Wars movies while also advancing the narrative. He's creating his own side universe. It's so good. And he was just a fan. It's so cool to yeah. think of like somebody just grew up watching that. I mean, he was probably a little kid watching Darth Vader and the mm-hmm. Jedi and all that and thinking like, whatever. And now he's he's furthering the canon. It's, yeah. it's really cool. I, 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 I might debate a little bit with you on... I felt like that you kind of poo-pooed mm. the last three movies. I'm not. I'm just and saying the, the prequels. I can agree with you. I thought they, they were, were fine, and I thought they were too. I thought that, that they were too derivative. Especially the last. The last one was basically kind of like a wrap up. It was almost like we got to get. Every, we got to bring every character in that's ever had a, a cup of coffee in Star Wars, and we got to give them a nice bow ending. I understand the pressure to do that because you knew it was going to come. Kind of be the last one in those story of those characters. But I just think it was kind of fumbled. I uh, I just thought that they were fine, and I do think that the prequels we look back on with a lot more disdain than they deserved. Because it's like we're not entitled to Star Wars movies. Like the idea that like <laughs> you ruined my childhood. It's like you don't just get to have right. something just because you want it. It's a hard thing to do. 
I think The Force Awakens captured the the feel of the original movies to me. Well, but The Force Awakens was really just a retelling of A New Hope in a lot of ways. Well, like then, you had Yes, you had, but it was so so it didn't have a lot of original ideas, is what I'm saying. But isn't that yeah, what BB-8 BB was R2-D2, and you we, had Luke was now Ray, and you But have, we complain that they don't do that. Well, then they went a different direction. No, the I, that's kind of why I liked Less Jedi, because it was just really, like, nuts. Like, the things they did were insane. Yeah. And it also kind of hemmed J.J. Abrams in, because now he had to come back and clean up the mess, the quote-unquote mess, of Last Jedi, which I enjoyed. I didn't like that he broke the rules of the universe a couple times in that movie. What do you mean? For example, tracking through hyperdrive, hyperspace. You can't do that. They found a way to do it. Well, as I'm saying, that's a, a rule. A, that's, how, that's how the heroes or the villains always get away, is if you could just get into hyperspace, yeah. then no one can follow you. But, don't you, but our technology is advanced, so what do you think their technology will I advance? I just think that that was... First of all... It's a long time ago in the galaxy far from. Oh, that's away. true. But it's just a step it was just a step too far for me, Johnny. Like wow. you just you can't you can't do that. I also thought uh was it that one where Leia was blown out the window and flew through space mm-hmm. to Well, was, have, having said all that, again, she had already passed away by then. So it's like the, what they were going to do with that character was already like completely we don't know what the original idea for her was. But I think that had nothing I think that 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 was already shot. They knew that she was going to die in this last one. Like they, I think they'd already shot that scene. I don't, I don't know. I don't think it had anything to do with with. I think they had to do a few scenes where her floating herself back in and saving. I think it was her. the original plan. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, she is a. Je- I mean, she technically is Jedi blood, right? She's got the. Yeah. Well, she in theory. Was, she never really used it in the first movies. She in theory was stronger than Luke. What is that supposed to mean? How dare you? <laughs> no, I don't know. Sadie was, but I always thought Luke was kind of annoying, honestly, in the first movies. Yeah. He was just kind of like a whiny. Yeah. You know? Well, but, you know, not in, well, in, He's when a he, kid, I know. When he got to Return of the Jedi, he was kind of. Yeah, he had. Matured. I think it's the idea. It was the evolution of his character, John. He's wearing the black outfit. Mm-hmm. So kind of, it was kind of, they were playing with the, the tropes of yeah. the day, whereas the good guy wears white and Darth Vader's the black. So they had him wearing the black outfit. It's like, is he going to turn? Is he turning? Well, his outfit is turned. His outfit's black like Vader, and he also has the mechanical hand. You know, so he's starting right. to have sort of the, you know, mm-hmm. part man, part machine part. So you didn't know. They were kind of trying to create the doubt of, is uh-huh. he going to, is Vader well, going to get him? It's all the movies. It's, yeah. It was, you know. What is Ray going to do? Is she going to sit on the throne because she's the granddaughter of Palpatine? You know, is she going to really turn and take it, or is she going to remain true? Man, gosh, isn't that just like our lives, though, Johnny? <laughs> <laughs> Have you decided to sit on the throne? Mm. Palpatine sounds like a breakfast cereal. Yeah, I'll have you a know? bowl of Palpatine with bowl some of Palpatine. Cut up a banana in it. Mm. Yeah, so good. It's either that or cream of wheat. I can't decide. <laughs> No, I, you know, I, 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 um, I, I do. I like those three movies. I really do. I think they were all well done. I, I, I went and saw them, and I liked them, and they're fine. I just the idea. And again, I'm not one of those people who grew up thinking Star Wars was like a religion and couldn't be messed with. I think when you see something as a 14 year old that you love, it gets locked into a place in your brain that is. Uh, it's almost like it's lionized, it's deified, and yeah. you can't... So they could never have done anything that would have pleased those people. Whereas somebody like Sadie, right. who doesn't have a tie to the earlier movies, she's like, I like the prequels, I like the new ones, I like it all. Right. And then somebody who's like a fan of the originals that, were, that was 14, they would be like, how dare you? She's no, all, it, but you're allowed to like things that you like. That's true. And I, I think that was, sort of the, that was sort of the take I had on them. Like, look, these are good movies, yeah. yes. Uh, now, and, and people who acted like that they were just garbage, I was just like, guys, like I have a friend and he'll listen to this podcast. Oh, boy. So, and he knows who he is. Oh, man. And I'll just say his name. It's Matt. Yeah. <laughs> and Matt, Matt will argue about the force of what, like his family and my family will we'll, we'll come, we were at odds over this. Like it's okay. a pretty serious riff between us. Riff? Rift. <laughs> <laughs> it's a riff. We're you playing guys a serious riff. It's a serious like divide, a, a crevasse, if you will. No, uh, over this, you know, because it's like I, I do. I see the value. Like he, I, I can't remember if it was. Sorry, Matt. Now I can't remember exactly what you didn't like about it because I really wasn't listening. No, mm. I'm just kidding. But it, it's like this. I think it was. Uh, I think it was uh, the Last Jedi. 
He yeah, just, a lot of people did not like the Last Jedi. Yeah, like the different director. They switched yeah. from Abrams to uh, uh, Ryan. What's his name? Uh, Ryan. There's no way to know. Seacrest. Yeah, That's Ryan Seacrest directed. <laughs> people have head, heads are exploding everywhere. <laughs> he also did uh, Knives Out. I can't remember his name now. Anyway. It's Ryan with an I. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Ryan. Now you're looking at it. Gosling. Head. No. <laughs> I want people. I want people to get really mad. <laughs> we could pick up our phones when uh, we're disciplining ourselves. Oh, it. he's doing it. You keep it. talking. Though. What did he? Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of people being upset, though. That's it my favorite. Ryan, uh, Ryan Johnson. Oh, Johnson. I was going to say Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think they, they were they they were good movies. They're good movies. So. Well, and that's the thing is they're just movies, but it's a. That's why I kind of like the Mandalorians because it's it's uh, it's they're they've taken the construct of the Star Wars universe, but they're not hung up on how can we get his path to cross with right so and so because that's a beloved character. Well, they did do that, and I forget her name. I'm sorry because I don't watch the cartoon that uh, apparently is a. Oh, the Clone Wars or yeah, whatever. Apparently, the... it's like really, really good. Uh-huh. I don't know. why I don't watch it because some of my favorite movies are animated now. So, um, but that one character, the female Jedi, that was in the last one I saw, maybe it was two ago. Yeah, yeah. Where like, they she's had the big, a big fight. In the... She's a big deal in the Clone she's Wars. She's got the two lightsabers. Yeah, she's good. Yeah, she's a big deal in the Clone Wars. So, so they are bringing other characters out. Yeah, but I'm saying like the favorites. Agreed. Like, they're not trying to figure out how to get Han Solo to cross paths with Mando. Right. right. You know. They did bring back Boba Fett, so. You know that the new um, Obi-Wan, the Kenobi, is, they started a movie years ago, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a series. On yeah, Disney yeah, Plus, I saw so, that. Yeah. Because they were kind of like throwing up that, uh, was it Hayden Christensen, or Ewan McGregor said that he hates, that he's associated with the prequels, because people always come and try to get autographs and sell them and everything, and he's just like, these adults, and blah, blah, blah. And then it was like, it was like that, that old interview clip, and then like, I can't wait to be a part of this. It's like, <laughs> somebody's broke, you know? <laughs> I always think it's funny when celebrities have to eat their words like that, and they have to say, no, I would never want to be, oh, is there work? Okay, I'd love to be. I'm so honored to be a part of Sony Pictures' new uh-huh. project. Yeah. I always think of that when, because all these coaches are getting fired right now, you know? It's yeah. like, well, they just hired a new coach for he's coming in at 2.5 million a year i'm thinking and i know this is awful yeah but at my at my station in life right i think hire me for one year mm-hmm. i mean i'll run the thing into the ground i'll give it i'll give it the best i got yeah i'll give you two and a half million worth of right fire me next year it's fine yeah no buyout you won't have to and then two and a half million johnny that's it like I'll go do other stuff. You think still. you could live on two and a half for the rest of your? Oh, I still I could just go back to my other job. But yeah. you know now it's like so. I mean, now you got the panache of being the worst football coach in the history that's okay. of all time. For two and a half million, I have that beach house too, so I could. But feel, that's a show. You could be like, I did this thing, and now it's a reality show of the guy who took the. I think I they should just hire a random Joe. That'd be a good show. Actually, would you watch that? I would. Just a guy they just hire off the street that's always like calling in on these call-in isn't shows. That, isn't that a show where like the the ex-wife owns a big soccer well, team? Well, that's Ted Lasso. Yeah, yeah. Which you still haven't watched. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Oh, I need to watch that. That's show in ages. Wow. But no, he actually is a football coach, but he's hired to coach gotcha, a soccer team. Gotcha. Yeah. But so it's similar, though. I mean, yeah. I think that, I, Johnny, I don't think I would be an idiot out there. Like, listen, here's what uh, I know right now. Here's what I know right now about Tennessee football. Although he actually called a pretty good game against Vanderbilt. But, I mean, yeah. Vanderbilt's 0-8. But mm-hmm. it was like we suddenly decided to get bold. Right. And, like, you know, it's, it's like, could we not have done this when we were losing six games ago? Like, I think as a coach, you would make a decent podcaster. I, th- <laughs> I know this. If we have an incomplete pass. It's like when I cleaned the church for a couple of years, I think as a janitor, I was a decent comedian. <laughs> you know, like, I was not the best cleaner of this church, probably. I know this, and I have a feeling that the opposing teams know that if we throw an incomplete pass, the mm-hmm. next play will be a run up the middle. Like, if I know that, and yeah. I don't know jack about football on that level, then there's no, it's no wonder, you know, yeah. that. So, so what I would do, first things first, throw an incomplete pass. Throw it every down. And then turn around and throw another pass. And they'll be like, oh my gosh, it's revolutionary. You know, Go for so. it every fourth down. Well, you only got a year. You've Why got not? a year. You've been paid. Listen, I would probably fake the punt 50% of the time and yeah. onside kick it 50% of the time. Yeah. And certainly go for it on fourth down. Unless I'm just like on the 10 yard line on my own side of the field. There are a lot of coaches right now who go for it on fourth down yeah, almost every lot. time. Mm-hmm. Like they play for a four down instead of a three down. Well, that's the new analytics. It's the odds or yeah. whatever. The odds are ever in your favor. Oh, aren't they though? 
So yeah. anybody out there, it could be, look, it could be, it doesn't have to be D1. Outer Swabobia State. Yeah, we D2, don't care. It doesn't need to be a prestigious but it program. it needs to be a $2.5 million deal. Some that's the, uh, that's true. It needs to be a bigger. <laughs> I'd do it for $500,000. i would take a year for $500,000. Half mil. For a half mil, I'd go do it. Now, it's not going to set me for life or anything. Well, I mean, with investments. Yeah. And then I'll come back and, you know, would they let me keep this job? That's the question. <sighs> Executive and teaching pastor, writer, and D2 football coach. I don't know, Johnny. I think it would read well on a business card. Wichita Tech Trucking School. <laughs> I'm going to put together a team. Well, that'd be a great show. Yeah. Like I'm building a team at a school that doesn't have one. I'm mm-hmm. getting like the replacements, basically. Like I'm pulling people out. Yeah. Do you, know, you still have eligibility? Sure, you're 30. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Come on, man. Can you still throw a football? They're like, I just know how to drive a truck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. Well, guys, uh, thanks for listening today. I think we went down a lot of... We, uh, we chased some rabbits, didn't we? Yeah, it was fun, though. Yeah. Star Wars thing. Either look, and for people who people don't like People are very Star- passionate about Star Wars. The people who are not, they're like, oh, wow, never getting that 10 They're They back. just fast-forwarded th- yeah. through, and that's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Maybe you should go watch Mandalorian. You really should, just as a storytelling, it's very yeah, good. it's very good. It's very good. Uh, they're not a sponsor. No. But you could be a sponsor. <gasps> you go to our uh, Patreon page, or you can go to our website to, to see all the ways that that works. Talk about that podcast.com. That's right. And uh, there you can also uh, learn more about me and Johnny. You can follow Johnny on his socials. And when you see his Drybar video posted, man. Yeah, go to Drybar, get the app. Stuff, and uh, Yeah, go to Drybar, get the app, and uh, check it out. It's uh, a lot of stuff. Yeah. A lot of fun uh, new comedy coming your way. Yeah. You have to wait till next fall to read uh, Not So Black and White. So it doesn't come out till fall. So sorry, I don't have anything like that. I can't match you. Like, oh, I'm releasing a beer. I got nothing. So, uh, yes. That's, that's a heck of a promo. <laughs> but no, you can you can check us out, though, and all the stuff that's happening. Uh, we do have a few questions that have come in we're going to get to on our next episode. So that'll, okay. be, that'll be fun. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, but guys, we really appreciate you listening every week. It means a lot. And especially those of you who have left uh, those great reviews. And maybe you should go leave a review. If you haven't got to do that yet, share it with a friend. Uh, tell somebody about it. And uh, we hope you guys are gearing up for We know it's a different uh, kind of year, but gearing up for a great Christmas. With don't your say family. new normal, John. I will punch it's you. It's not. No, I don't think it's new normal at all. I don't okay. at all. Okay. I, I know my history, Johnny. We won't. We won't. An unprecedented time. Yeah. It's not unprecedented. We've actually been here before. Just so many pandemics and anyway. So that's okay. I can. That's another. That's a whole other story. So maybe yeah. next next week okay. <laughs> we'll talk about all that. Right. All right, guys. We will see you next time on Talk About That. myself on a ledge three stories high at some condominiums contemplating my life and struggling to understand my purpose have you ever found yourself on the ledge my name is billy yance i'm a caring father mentor and friend in my new podcast billy and the goat i share the life-changing events that shaped who i am today to remind you that no matter how far you've fallen god can help you get up and thrive listen now at lifeaudio.com